People think that freedom is going to just be taken away in one chop, and it's not. It's death by a thousand cuts, which is why it's important to stand up against mask mandates, vaccine mandates, and so many other things, because those are the thousand cuts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Otto Gomes Crypto Show. I'm your host, Otto Gomes. And today we have an amazing, amazing individual, Sheriff Mark Lamb. This guy, this guy has just gone above and beyond the call of duty as a sheriff to step into his individualism, into his power, and truly speak out about the inconsistencies and the indoctrination that's happening on a massive scale. Um, sheriff Lamb was elected in 2016 as Pinell County's 24th sheriff to lead Pinell County's finest with a vision to better the status of law enforcement in Pinell County and ultimately be an example for other agencies in Arizona and the United States of America by doing the following. Foster positive working relationships with county officials. Provide financial transparency to establish a realistic budget. Improve deputy pay to retain and recruit quality employees. Continue to crack down on criminal activity with a focus on stopping the drug flow into Pinell County. Change the perception of law enforcement with our communities. He is leading by example. And with that, I welcome Sheriff Mark Lamb. Welcome to another episode. Sheriff Lamb, thank you so, so much for being just a loud, loud, powerful voice in this movement. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Otto. I appreciate it. I appreciate the intro, too. I, I Look, we were just talking a bit about it before we got started. I, I love freedom more than anything. And so um, uh, that's what I'm basing it on. And it's I, I want to be on the right side of history. So I love it. I love it. And it's, and it's very clear, right? It's very clear yeah. the sides right now, one and the other and going, whoa, that's fear. That's love. Hmm. I wonder what I want. <laughs> <laughs> that is the truth. You know, people ask me, they're like, Sheriff, is it hard nowadays to be the sheriff with everything going on and you having to make such strong stances? I was like, honestly, it's easier now than ever because the line is very defined for me. You know, I talked about it when you and I were at the same event um, a couple of weekends ago, and it, it, it's made it very clear for me. So I know exactly where I stand and I refuse to cross the line, nor do I want people to cross the line onto my territory. I love your perspective. And it's such a you have such a groundedness with with it and how you present yourself and how you speak. I really want to know your past and your and your journey towards this point. So just tell me a little bit about it. What got you to this point now? What was your red pill moment that really shifted you and shook you out of that matrix? You know, I think I've always been red pilled. I mean, I, you know, I was raised, my dad was a graduate of Thunderbird Business College, which is an international business school. We spent a lot of time overseas. I was born and raised in Hawaii, lived in the Philippines, lived in Panama, lived in Argentina. I've traveled to other countries. And uh, at an early age, I got a real appreciation for what America is, what it means, what freedom is, and really how much of the land of opportunity it is. Unfortunately, a lot of Americans don't know this because they've never lived outside this country. Um, but that was in doc that was just ingrained in me at a young age. My dad was a patriot. He loved America. He didn't like a big government. 
And so these are things that were instilled in us. And, you know, I'm a member of the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We're very big on freedom, constitution, family, our ability to worship God. And uh, so all of those things have kind of just been in me from, from the time I was born and raised. And so um, as the world has gotten a little bit crazier and crazier, I have felt the need to get out, run for office, get into law enforcement, and uh, now obviously to take strong stances and give the people courage that they're not alone, um, that are, there are people out there willing to stand up and fight for what they love because it's the same thing that I love. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Finding that commonality and that common ground, right? In, in, in connection. Yep. And, and that's something I believe we've, we've sort of lost sight of is, is mm -hmm. finding the common ground. It's, if anything, we've done the opposite. We found what are we, what's the difference? What's the difference? How, 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 how are we divided? And I love that your heart is in, no, how can we find the common ground? How can we find that thing that connects us all? So when, when did it shift for you to start speaking out? I, I'm, I'm assuming that you didn't have the following that you've had for as long as you've had, right? For, for as long as you've been a sheriff, or maybe you have, I'm not sure. But when did it, when did it became, become a, a moment that like, I need to speak out. I need to be at the front lines of this. So it actually started, I, I got into this profession late in life. I never thought about being a cop. I was a businessman, a marketing guy. Um, I had had other jobs when I was 33. A neighbor asked me to do a ride along. I went on the ride along and I came home that morning and told my wife, I'm hooked. I'm going to be a cop. Um, had five kids at the time. So it was kind of a good, she actually liked it because we would insurance, you know, we were self-employed. It's hard to have insurance. So we were going to have insurance, steady pay. That was the first time I ever felt like what it was like to have pay when you were on vacation. You know, before, <laughs> yeah. when you're self-employed, you on vacation, you don't make any money. Um, and so there was a lot of good that came with it. And I just fell in love with the profession. And about six, seven years into it, when I was working at the Salt River Indian, Mar Pima Maricopa Indian community, um, I was just standing there one day and I just said to the guys I was working with on the gang unit, I said, you know what, I'm going to run for sheriff. And it was really just, it was during the Obama days and I could just see the country, the direction the country was heading. I could see the rising of Hillary Clinton, um, other bad politicians, people that did not have America's best interests in mind. And uh, I decided instead of just bitching about it, that I was going to be part of the, the solution. Um, so I started making changes in my, my profession, my career. I came here to the county. I took a $25,000 pay cut had to start a business to be able to keep myself afloat uh, because of the change. And, uh, and I spent my time here in the county until it was time to, to leave so that I could run for sheriff. So, I mean, I made a lot of sacrifices. It took six years from the time I made the decision to be, to be a vocal piece, to stand up for freedom and to fight for it from the time I got into office. And then fortunately, Donald Trump won that night as well. And so, um, he gave us a reprieve, a stay of execution. And that gave me four years to get my feet underneath me and really kind of um, solidify who I was as a, as a sheriff, as an American, as a man. And uh, now I've, I feel blessed to have been prepared for this time to be able to stand up for what I love and believe. And that's God, family and freedom. I would love to know your experience with it so far with, you know, being so outspoken. Have, have you gotten any pushback from co-workers from, you know, other, other, uh, uh police organizations, not, not just the sheriff's department. I know it's going to sound really bad, but I really don't care. You know, I, 
<laughs> I, that doesn't uh, sound bad. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I just walk into places and I just, I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm confident in, in what I believe in, that it's the truth. Like for me, it's, it is what I, it's my core values. I'm not yeah. saying it needs to be yours, but these are mine and I'm not going to apologize for it. And I'm not going to be made to feel less because I feel different than you, because this is what I love. I think this is what the country was founded on. And so when I go to these places, I get that other people may not agree with me, but you know what? I smile. I'm friendly. I'm friendly to everybody. And um, I think people respect the fact that I stand up for what I believe, whether they agree with me or not. We're, that's, we're hungry for authenticity in this world. It's one of the things I tell kids, be authentic, be you. So yeah, that's it. I mean, I don't really, I don't really care what they think. Um, yeah, I, I stand up for what's right. If I'm the only one left, then I'm the only one left. It is what it is. I love it. And that's, and that's the, the difference, in my opinion, of the people that chose fear as opposed to choosing love and choosing freedom is this confidence, right? This is just like uh, taking the power back of choice and, and, and decision-making and like discernment and all of these things that, that uh, in my opinion, we've been indoctrinated to let go of and not have and give right. it to daddy government. Um, so with 2020 and 2021, the way that it has been, um, when did, when did it through that process, when did it become really personal for you? Like, when did it, when, when did it shake you enough that you go, Whoa, this is different than any other time in history? You know, I could see the COVID situation coming. I was going to New York, traveling back and forth. I was kind of watching it. And uh, when it started to come about, I told my chiefs, I was like, this is a bunch of BS, man. This is a Trojan horse. And I'm not saying that COVID doesn't exist, but it's not what they say it is. The statistics mm. don't, don't support that. And it never really has. I mean, there was a lot of uncertainty in the beginning. Um, and there was, they were using that to instill fear. What's crazy, though, is we're past that. We have almost two years of statistics to rely on, yet Americans are still afraid. And it's just it's, it's still mind boggling to me. So. I could see it for what it was. I could see it as, as a tool of, for people to push a, push a political agenda. And I'm a historian. And I understand that for evil to get its foothold in you, you just need to instill fear on the people. And so I really work hard to try to calm people and say, look, don't be afraid. You know, first of all, every one of us are going to die. There's not a single person that's going to get out of this world alive. So you may as well live and die as a free man as opposed to giving all, it all up for a little bit of extra security. Maybe you live a few months longer. I don't know. Um, when it's your time, it's your time. So yeah, I, I started that. seeing that and that really solidified it in me to say, look, I need to be a voice now more than ever for freedom. And that's what it boils down to. People don't like my stances sometimes. And, but when I have a chance to explain it to them, like, look, so I don't, so I'm not telling you not to wear a mask. I'm not telling you not to get the vaccine. I'll be, although now I'm a little bit more dubious because the government has pushed it so hard. But uh, it's about freedom. It's about your ability to choose. I don't want you to do drugs either, but I don't stand at your doorway and walk around with you in your house. And every time you go to use drugs, I knock it out of your hand. I don't do that. Why? Because you you still have freedom. You have the right, the freedom to choose. Even if it's breaking the law, you still have that right. Ooh, I love that you said that last part, uh, bodily autonomy. Um, you know, I, I've, I've struggled recently with understanding the law, right? Understanding what is right, what is wrong. Um, I even have many arguments with my partner about that because 
there are certain layers to this system that you, you, you'd say, oh, that's, a, that's illegal, that's legal. And then there's like lawful, that is unlawful. And I'm learning that there's a difference now. <laughs> so what's your perspective on that and what is legal and what is lawful? That's a great way to put it, you know, because there are certain laws and certain things that are legal and certain things that are lawful. Like uh, uh, it, I have a very deep perspective to that. I, I want my guys to do what's right. I tell my guys all the time, look, guys, in the end, if you can tell me what you did was right. Um, and I'll give you an example. I pull a mom over. The law used to be that if she was driving on suspended license, then you had to tow her vehicle. That was the law. You shall. That was. And I think that there's a lot of Americans that probably would agree when you say, I got a mom with five kids. I'm not going to leave her on the side of the road here because the law says I shall tow her vehicle. And so you've got to be able to give your guys the freedom and the flexibility to do what's right. Um, it doesn't always what's right doesn't always coincide with what's lawful or, or legal. You know, it's it's about doing what's right. And I think it's important to people. And I try to make this distinction. Just because people pass a mandate or an order, that is not a law. You should very, there, people need to understand that distinction. And until there is a law passed, we're going to go off of the supreme law of the land, which is the Constitution, which, and we have the Declaration of Independence, which guaranteed that, that, that the, uh, the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I love it. I love it. In my mind, I, I, I even simplified it even more that legal is like, what man created and lawful is what God created. <laughs> I love that. That is a great, ex that is fantastic. I'm right? going to steal that from you. Oh, take it. Take it. <laughs> yeah. I've, um, you know, I, I had to personally go through a lot of my own growth and understanding legalese, understanding, you know, the way that, that, um, bills get in, put into place and how they get put out all. I mean, I wasn't political at all until 2020. So if anything, this whole, this whole thing that they're trying to do made it worse because it's like, Oh, you just woke up a bunch of people who were doing their own thing, doing the, they're having their life. And now they're really focused on this now. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. And so I had, I had a question, um, you know, for a person that's in law enforcement, you have a certain level, uh, you have like an oath, I'm, I'm assuming that you take, right? When you, when you start that process of protecting humans and, 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 you know, protecting lawful God's lawful, uh, law of the land. So, you know, we say the word patriotism. I, I'm actually even wearing this shirt that says Patriot. I love and, it. And I've changed my perspective of it. I've changed my perspective of being patriotic, right? I, I was born in Brazil. I grew up in the U.S. since I was eight. So I have a lot more, you know, um, uh, growth in the U.S. But to you, how, how did it change for you or did it change, you know, uh, to, being, to being patriotic? What does it mean to you? I've always been very patriotic. We love America. We love the flag. We feel it to our core. I've always understood the, the, how important freedom is and that America is the last place on earth that protects that freedom. I, I love the constitution. Um, and you talked about oaths. It's funny because the, like the Politico and a few other places are starting to do articles on me and other sheriffs saying they're one of these constitutional sheriffs, constitutional conservatives. And I want to say, and I've said to them, I'm like, what is it you, where are all the other elected officials? Because I took the exact same oath that they did, which said that I would 
so support and defend the Constitution, protect and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That's the crux of the oath that we take as elected officials. So to be labeled as a constitutional sheriff or a constitutional conservative for me is a feather in my cap. But it also makes me wonder, where did we go wrong to where other elected officials are not being held to that standard? Every elected official should be a constitutional elected official. That should mean they should be a constitutional senator, a constitutional, because that's the, that is the main thing we swore an oath to as elected officials. Such an important thing to point out because, gosh, where did it, where did that split happen? Where did people, you know, even in, in all of the industries, not just, you know, pol the police departments, but in the medical industry, all the, the oaths that they took, the Hippocratic Oath. So there's all these things all these oaths that were taken to protect humanity. And it's as if we're forget that people are forgetting it or they're running away from shame. Cause that's not the mainstream way, whatever it is. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. And you know, as a, as a society, we have glorified deception and we've made deceit. Okay. Um, you know, many States have laws against adultery, for example. Um, and, but that you don't ever see people getting charged with that. Mm. Um, people, it's it's okay for people to be a womanizer or or to go out with many men. Um, so more our moral line has been blurred, and then our business line. It's okay, you know. A lot of like a lot of the people on the far left believe that the the ends justify the means, mm. so they can cheat or lie as long as it 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 meets what they deem as being correct and right. And that's a dangerous place to be. And we've watched as our elected officials have done it. And here's the problem. We keep electing those same people to go back to Washington to represent us. So we're basically saying we're okay with you lying and, and deceiving us and not being a person of your word because we just keep voting them in. So that's how they inter interpret it. So it's really kind of our fault. And until we put that back in check and say, look, if you don't do your job and if you're not honest in the way you do it, then we're going we're gonna to find somebody else that will do it. I'll tell you, the fix is, and then this is a whole different conversation. You put in term limits, you, you fix the majority of the problems we have in, in this country. Um, as long as we allow these idiots to stay in office for so long, um, then we, they're basically just the prince of fools. We're the fools. They're the princes of fools. A hundred percent. And I'm so glad you pointed that out because they've created a system that's glamorized the top, right? Glamorized pres the presidency and, and that structure, the executive branch, and completely took all of our awareness away from the local level. Right. <clears throat> and so, and then you, so you have, like you mentioned, you have all these officials on, on local levels, you know, I say local levels, like state down that are career politicians, that are just, just, and, and you're right in saying, I never thought about it this way on their side, they're, they're like, I'm going to go do this and, and push this certain ideology. Let's see what happens. And then they're like, they get, they get voted in. They're like, oh, cool. And then they get voted in again. And they're like, wow, I must be doing something right. <laughs> I'm going to keep going. <laughs> and so yeah. whether, whether they're deciding or not, whether the strings are being pulled from above them, that individual at that level believes in it. He believes wholeheartedly that what he's doing is is good or is right because it's, it seems as though the people are wanting more. <laughs> and I've watched it as politicians surround themselves with more and more insulation. 
And whether it's them or whether it's people that are working for them, they insulate those people. I see it all the time because I deal with congressmen, senators, all these people. Even the president, you can't get close to him. He's insulated completely by the people that are are his cabinet members and surround him. So they tell him, hey, Otto, you're doing a great job. Everybody loves you. And um, they are completely disillusioned many times. Now, some of them are just rotten to the core and they do it. They do what's wrong because they are they have bad intentions. Um, And so you have a little bit of everything going on. But I would say the majority of it is they are completely out of touch and they're being misled by their own people to believe that the people are happy with the job that they're doing. And by reelecting them, that only solidifies it for them. But, yeah, they're we're lost. We're lost as a country. We're lost, especially, and that starts in Washington. They're setting the the, uh, the direction, and, and we're lost. Wow, wow. Uh, you know, this brings up a good question for for me. With all these people on every level, you know, the the ones that are on a local level, you know, the, the police officers that are that are doing pretty much illegal things, like like you know, getting someone and, 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 you know, uh, oh, you're not, you're, you don't have your passport card. You got to go over here now. You see this in other countries. I'm seeing a little bit of here in the U S where you have these individuals making choices that are not lawful. <laughs> and so, and then also on the, the higher levels, you know, them speak, creating these, uh, these mandates and, and doing all these policies that are totally crimes against humanity. So, from your perspective, do you see us moving? Do you see the, the the start of us bringing justice to these people? Do you see us moving towards that direction at all now, or do or is it still something that's that might come in the future? No, I do believe the pendulum is beginning to swing, come back. The question is, how hard will the people who fought to get the pendulum up there? How hard will they fight to keep it there? I think we still have darker days ahead of us. However, I do believe that the pendulum is starting to come back. I have seen the awakening in the American people. Um, the media still has enough influence, even though they're they're crashing and burning. The mainstream media still has enough influence to deceive um, a lot of people. There's a poem by Rudyard Kipling. It's a great poem, but called If. And it says, if you can see your words twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools. And, you know, we still have knaves twisting the words to make a trap for the people and the people that are buying into this stuff, hook, line and sinker. And, they, and then like passionately defending um, lies and misinformation. And so it's kind of sad to watch, but I think we're getting to where the people are seeing the media for what it is. They clearly see this presidency for what it is. I mean, there, I think I saw a poll that said 22% of people would want to see Joe Biden run again. That's only 22% and only 12% would want to see Kamala. I'm surprised it's even wow. still that high, um, but that goes to show you how 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 bad they're doing, and how the American people are seeing through it, and uh, and they just continue to push down the wrong path. So it's it's crazy to watch. But a to, long answer to your question, I think we are getting ready to come back to this. To we start the pendulum's coming back, but we just have a few more. We got a little bit harder times coming up. Thank you for that answer. Um, I, I, I hope <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm there, I'm watching and I'm, and you know, it, it's, it's sometimes it gets a little, um, 
you lose that strength of of hope because you you don't see you don't you never see that you never see the big names get put away but but it's different it does feel different this this time around where where things are they're taking a little slower to progress but i can see that it's it's you know uh it's death by a thousand stabs right death by a, st- a thousand cuts. amen yeah so we're getting yeah there. and that's that's what i tell people about freedom and i'm glad you brought that up because i was thinking about that earlier when you first started is that People think that freedom is going to just be taken away in one chop, and it's not. It's death by a thousand cuts, which is why it's important to stand up against mask mandates, vaccine mandates, and so many other things, because those are the thousand cuts, although some of those cuts are a little bit deeper and longer, um, but there is still death by a thousand cuts. So I, I love that analogy. Thank you for bringing it up. So to, to have a more personal question, how do you prepare for this? Like, how are, how are you and your family? Um, are you married? I am. I'm married 27 years, five kids. Whoa, five kids. <laughs> I love it. What are the ages? Yeah. Uh, 25 is my oldest. 18 is my youngest. So luckily they're a little bit older. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's a little easier to, to navigate this world with, with young, with older adults, yeah. older kids. How is your family preparing for all this on every level? Let's say on, on a physical, on a metaphysical, on, you know, financial, how, how, what, what would you recommend for those that are a part of this and are aware to move forward in this reality? Get prepared. I mean, that's, you know, I may not be the perfect parent, but I can tell you all my kids love and appreciate America about as much as I do. So we've raised some diehard constitutional conservatives that understand it. Um, this job has definitely taken its toll on my family. Look, I've had, we've on a personal level, we've had some issues come up at have been hard to deal with. And I would say that they're a, probably a result of the fact that I'm not always home, that I've had to spend so much time campaigning, being sheriff, so much time away from the family. And it took a toll on my kids who were teenagers through those years. Um, you know, my one son kind of got into a little bit of trouble, had some personal issues. We, you know, he's doing well, good now, but he, he's got some price that he's got to pay. And, and unfortunately, they drug him through the media unmercilessly. And, uh, and it was all because of who he was, because he was my son. And they thought it was a way they could get at me. And, you know, he said to me, he's like, Dad, I didn't ask to be the sheriff's son. And he's right. He's not in politics, but your family pays a price for it. So I always tell people, wow. look, we need people to do it. We need the way this business is. It's ugly. It's nasty. And it, and it deters a lot of good people from running. But we still need good people to run. We still need people that are willing to t- make the sacrifice, to take the hits in the family, to take the hits personally. Um, I've had things said about me that are not true and are awful. And, you know, you get it. It's hard to get used to. It's hard to learn how to deal with that, to create a thick skin, um, but yet still be a man of the people. It's, it's a hard balance to find. So, no, it's not easy. And I, when I tell people, I'm very honest up front. Look, I appreciate you doing this, but it's not going to be easy. And I'm telling you up front but you can survive it. Mm. It's better that you not know. People always ask me, if you knew what you knew now, would you run? Probably not. I would like to think that I was strong enough as a patriot to run, but it's that's the way God designs it. He doesn't want you to know because if you knew, you wouldn't do it. Um, so it's better just to find out when you get to the top of the summit how hard <laughs> it is. <laughs> that's that's always the best. And that's why I like you have that those sayings like just push through it, push through it, breathe through it. Because yeah, once you get to the other side, you can look back and go, whoa, I did yeah. that. I did and that. set big goals. 
I would, I would, anybody listening to this, please go watch a show on Netflix right now called 14 Peaks. Awesome show. It's about a guy who, who climbs all these, he sets out to climb 14, 8,000 meter uh, mountains in seven months. The, wow. the, the quickest anybody had ever done it was seven years. And he was talking about doing it in seven months. But there's one part of it, there's a few parts where they're great life lessons, but there's one where this guy from the United States had failed eight times at trying to climb one mountain. He had set out to climb one of the 8,000 summit mountains and he had failed eight times. And so this guy comes along from Nepal. He's, he's like, Hey man, I got to climb this mountain. I got to do it today. And he shows up and this other guy's like, man, I've tried eight times. And basically this guy leads the way. And finally this guy who had failed eight times finally gets to the top. And I told my wife, I said, you know why he failed? Because he set his goal to only climb one mountain. And he failed eight times because once he climbed it, he would have lost his purpose in life where the other guy had climbed, set the goal to climb 14. And because he had such a lofty goal, climbing one mountain wasn't going to stop him. And so I, it was a life lesson. So set high goals, put yourself past way past what you think, because by doing that, you'll achieve things that you never thought you would have. Wow. Great analogy. I love that. That was a great example of, of, um, you are your own limitation. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Because you know, if you, yeah, the, per, the the perception of obstacles makes all the difference on your ability to move through it or be stopped by it. So thank you for that. That was a great, great way of, of uh, laying it down. This reality has been difficult in the last year for sure, as us, especially since the beginning of this 2021 when they rolled out the you know what so I don't even want to say the name because AI is listening and they will <laughs> suppress all of this yeah so, but you know what as in the unicorn you know the 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 in the arm so have you had any personal obstacles in your own life with your family with friends that have gotten it and there has been some tension some disagreement some you know whatever some arguments that you needed to go through? And if you did, do you have any advice or for those that are going through similar? No, you know, I haven't had a lot of arguments because people know exactly where I stand on it. You know, I, I got it early on. I, I went to the white house to, I had had an event where I had like 600 people in at the end of May of right at the beginning of June of 2020. So it was still like people like, oh, you got to wear a mask. You can't do any events. Well, I had this event, like 600 people show up mm -hmm. to pick up yard signs for my campaign. And um, the next day, that was a Saturday, Sunday. I'm like, I feel a little run down, but that's normal. You know, when you do a big event, your, your energy's up. It can take a, a day or two to kind of really get through it. And so Monday comes around, oh, Sunday, they call me and they're like, hey, will you come to the White House? President Trump wants to have you in the Rose Garden to sign this bill. And so I'm like, heck yeah, I want to go. So Monday comes, I leave Monday night, I get in Tuesday. I'm feeling a little run down, but I'm just like, man, that event really kicked my butt. Not real sick, just run down. I get to the White House, they take my temperature, I go in, they do a test on my nose and they're like, hey, if you don't hear from us in 10 minutes, then you're good. Like seven minutes later, I get a 202 number, call my phone. They answer, I answer like, hey, Sheriff, are you still here? And I'm like, yeah. You got to come back downstairs. You have COVID. I'm like what? And you know, at this point, no, I didn't know anybody who had gotten COVID. So right. it was just kind of still people talking about it, but I didn't really actually know anybody. Yeah. So 
I go back downstairs, they test me again, and I know my day's done. Um, and sure enough, I got COVID. So I go get a rental car and I drive home because I know that the media is going to find out. And if they find out, they're going to crucify me if I fly home. So I had to drive home 36 hours. I always say that the White House, once they tested me the second time, they took me out the back like a two-bit whore. They put me on the back street. I went straight to the, the airport, got it, um, <laughs> drove home, and uh, it took me 36 hours. And the media found out. And let me tell you, the media and the haters out there in the world crucified me. I was on the front page of Yahoo News, People Magazine. It was in Africa. The sheriff who defies governor's orders gets COVID. I mean, the, the nastiness of the people who claim to be passion, uh, so compassionate about other people, the nastiness from those people, um, it, it, you, you just can't even believe it. And so we had a tough time there. I didn't because I was like, man, all you people are doing is solidifying my, my will, power to fight for freedom and for what's right. So... Other than that, I mean, I had one lady, I'll tell you this one quick story. I was in my post office and it was probably like July of last year. And she's in there and I'm not wearing a mask and she is it's just glaring at me. And finally, she says to me, she's like, you're that no mask wearing sheriff, aren't you? I said, well, I'm the sheriff who chooses not to wear a mask if that's what you're asking. And she goes, you know what? My husband and I just think it's so disrespectful that you don't wear a mask. I said, you know what I find disrespectful? The fact that you think that you can challenge me like this in public. I said, who do you think you are? I said, what makes you morally superior to me? What makes you more right than me? How dare you think that you can come in here and challenge me about not wearing a mask? I said, I didn't bother you about wearing a mask. Why would you think it's okay to bother me about not wearing a mask? I said, you want to talk about disrespectful? That's disrespectful. And she looked at me and she just went, you know what? You're right. Wow. And my wife like slinked over in the corner. My wife's like shuffling papers. <laughs> she, if she could have got any smaller in the corner, she would have. I said, look, ma'am, nobody likes what we're going through, but challenging each other is not, not only is it inappropriate, it's borderline illegal. And I said, it's not okay. And what we need to do now more than ever is respect one another and respect our, our personal decisions as to how we're going to live our lives. And I think that's most important. And so we had a healthy conversation. At, and in the end, she said, hey, look, I want to thank you for respectfully putting me in my place. But she wow. did. She ran into a buzz. She ran into a buzzsaw that day. That's for sure. <laughs> a very loving buzzsaw, but still a buzzsaw. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I've, I've had my own like experiences, but I never ran into someone that was so nice in responding <laughs> or accepting <laughs> of, of that information. But that's amazing. Uh, that actually brings me, uh, it gives me hope for humanity a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Me too. Yeah. Uh, wow. Um, I love hearing about your experiences with this and, and just from, from, you know, from the legal side, I, I feel like you have a, a perspective that's unique on that side that most people don't have, which is, which is, you know, um, a little distorted on, on a lot of levels. And so I appreciate well, you sharing that, that level of it. It's because there's so much misinformation. For example, I'm going to tell you the airport. Go to the airport. Every 10 minutes, if not more, they'll say, it is federal law that you need to... No, it's not. It is not a federal law that you wear a mask in the airport. It is a mandate and an order. It is not a law. And they'll and, and that is misinformation. And they're just repeating it over and over and over. I don't wear a mask when I go to the airport. 
I do wear a mask when I get on the plane because I've accepted that that's a business. I've accepted that. That's what they're asking me to do as a business. That's what I'll do. But when they post, when they put out that misinformation that it is a, it's federal law that you have to wear a mask, that's not true. It is a mandate and an order. They, Congress has not passed any laws. That is what, and I know we're getting off topic. I just want to say real quick, that is one of the dangerous places we're getting in this country. The founding fathers set this up with three branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial. And those branches work together to keep each other in check. But what's happening now is you're seeing the executive branch take over and become the judicial branch and the legislative branch. They're passing mandates and orders without going through the proper channels of legislation, which is your your Congress and Senate. They are finding people guilty of things. They're 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 making assumptions like the Rittenhouse thing, how they basically said he was guilty without letting the judicial uh, process play out. So what we're seeing, and it even has happened on a local level, and now you're talking, you're seeing where they want to pass laws where a government bureaucracy, a department of the government has to approve any law that any state wants to pass. Do you understand how unconstitutional and how dangerous that is for our our republic, where you have just the executive branch making all the decisions, and that's where you end up with a dictatorship, socialism, or communism. So anybody listening today, the founding fathers set it up for the, the three branches of government for a reason. And now that you've heard me say it, go watch and see how much the executive branch is trying to take over everything. Um, and and even judicial, the judicial branch is trying to make pass laws from the bench. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying to pass case law because of their political, how they view things politically. They'll they'll pass case law as if it's um, and they know that it, it's going to hold true as if it were a law. And it's not. Case law is not a law. It's just case law. So anyway, that's all. You got me off on a tangent. Is Sorry. this is this so are we going into Red Dawn? Am I so I should be stockpiling weapons and like to protect myself? Like with everything should, that you've experienced moving forward, like well, how do we what do we do? You should definitely have guns. Look, that's your second amendment, right? The founding fathers weren't stupid. They had a lot of foresight into what what they had dealt with and what we as in the future would deal with. Mm. Um, also, you should have food. I think the what you're seeing, it's funny because Americans are watching. As these cargo ships are sitting out in the ocean, as, sh- as stores are not having as much food, as inflation, inflation went up 6%. They were trying to lie to us and tell us it was going to go up 2%. Then they were, then they got caught on and they're like, oh, maybe 4%. It went up six over 6%. I lived in Argentina and I saw what inflation does, where you go in the morning to buy your bread. And by the time you go back in the afternoon, the bread is you know, increased in price, sometimes doubled in price. You don't get paid more. So having a storage of food is not only um, responsible, it is sound at this time. And I hope that we don't ever need it. But should inflation continue to rise, which I believe it is because of reckless government spending, um, you're going to wish you had that food. So it doesn't mean you should fall on the stores and buy everything they have. But have a, have a good 30-day supply of food, if not a year, if you can. I love this. And it's a good little segue to a conversation that I, I'm trying to include more in my, my interviews, which is to talk about crypto. So I want to know your perspective of it. Uh, have you looked into it? Have you done any research or, or what's what's your perspective on crypto? So about three years ago, I, I got into crypto big time. 
I mean, I wouldn't oh. say that I, I didn't have a lot of money. I was, you know, busy campaigning. So I put about $1,600 into Binance, right? Okay. So then I lost my dang Binance account. And I, I had Ripple, I had uh, Tron, I had some other stuff that I thought would be good. And I lost it. And so recently I was on vacation in St. Lucia and I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to log on to my Binance account now that I'm outside the country. And I'd been meaning to get a VPN to try it. And I logged on and I was I had five grand worth of stuff in there now. Um, so yeah, I'm a crypto uh, guy. Like I made money on Dogecoin. I think that I don't, I'm, I'm understanding cryptos more and more. Um, there's a guy that the, the article, Tucker had a guy on that's like the king of, you know, really, you probably uh, know who pump? it is. Was it Pump? Pump alone? No, I think it was somebody else. Anyway, he he really broke it down for Tucker, Tucker and explained it in a way that really makes crypto make sense. The fact that the government doesn't like crypto should tell you that you should want crypto. <laughs> yes. Because they, the gov, you know what they always say, the government, uh, the biggest thieves, they hate competition, you know? Um, they, the government, if they don't like something, it's probably good for you. Yeah. And that, you know, I bring it up because that's, that's what I do. I'm a crypto coach and I teach, I'm a mentor. Uh, I've been in the space since 2012. So I, I love talking about it and like what, it, what the possibilities are. And yeah. I always try to remind people is that this is not just for the financial industry. This is for every industry that's centralized that requires transactions to function. So yep. anything that requires a transaction, you can incorporate crypto into it. I love it. And I, when, when I found out you were a crypto coach, I was like, ooh, I got to ask him about getting my Binance stuff out of Binance now and into a, pla into a wallet that is a good wallet because Binance has their own little, what is it called? Um, BNB? EP something or BP 2.0 or Oh, um, or something. Uh, BEP2. BEP2. Yeah, BEP2. It's their own chain. Yeah. So you can't transfer. I can't transfer that to Coinbase because Coinbase doesn't take it and it will get lost. So I'm, before I lose it again, I want to make sure I know exactly how to get it. Make sure you take my free course. I have a free course. It's 90 minutes and it goes into all those little details of how, okay. what to, how to recognize the different chains and transfer it to a cold wallet. So that's what you want to do. You want to take it off the exchange, which is a hot wallet. It's not, you actually don't own that crypto yet. When you transfer it to a cold wallet, then you own the private keys, which then you own the crypto. Yeah. So I, take a look at it. I kicked myself though, because when I was getting into it, it was when, um, I would say uh, Bitcoin, I think, was about 16,000. It went up to about 19,000. And then it came all the way back down to like 3,500 or 4,000, yeah. probably. And I knew better, but I didn't have the money at the time. I don't make that much money as a sheriff, not as much as people think. And um, I should have bought some. I should have bought some more Bitcoin because I knew it'd go back up. Did I know it'd go back up to like 60,000? No, but. I don't know if it's oh, gotten it's still, that high, but it's so it's still early. No, I got up to like seventy. It went. It touched seventy thousand um, about a month or, wow. or so ago. But yeah, I got in. I got in when Bitcoin was two hundred and fifty bucks, and Ethereum, Woo! Ethereum, which is number two now, was six bucks. So see, don't feel that the money you're putting in is not a, not. It's not. Oh, it's not a lot. It's not a lot. One hundred and fifty dollars. Okay, one hundred and fifty dollars four years ago into Ethereum, you'd have a little over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Right now, I know. 
I know. So, so it's still, well, so we're still early. We're still yeah. very, very early. I mean, we're talking, we're only, we're only worth the industry in, a, in and of itself is only worth a little over a trillion dollars. Just in bonds, bonds, we have more than $20 trillion in government bonds that are sitting there that, that can flow into this. And the fact that, like you mentioned, uh, of the inflation rate, we're about to go into hyperinflation. So the dollar, I mean, the whole thing is about to collapse. So when you have, uh, now it's creating a power vacuum. When that system collapses, it's going to be a power vacuum of that currency, of, of the dollar. And where where's the biggest, biggest vacuum right now? It's Bitcoin. It's crypto. Yeah. That's right. It's not, it's not stocks. It's not commodities. It's not gold. It's not any of that. You should diversify into those, but the biggest flow of money into something else, as opposed to the current fiat system is crypto. Well, I like it. So the, the long answer to your original question is, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm glad that I'm you, a risk you guy. like it. Like I love risk. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so I like, I like the fact that you can, put a hundred dollars, 150 and have $150,000 four years later. I like that. It's worth jeopardizing that $150 for me. Yep. And I play is- roulette at the, I play the roulette at the casinos. If I do gamble, I play roulette because I like, I think roulette has the biggest gains to have to be made. It's actually so, the, the uh, when it comes to chance, yeah, the chance the chances on the roulette table are, are the highest. It's like 50, 50, basically. Um, yeah. But cri- crypto is higher. Crypto is higher. It's yeah, actually better I than the betting it. tables. I know. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have a protocol. It's a protocol that's executing a program. Um, it's not like human beings that are deciding. But anyway. Well, I'm going to watch your crypto program because I, I got to get more into it. Yeah, definitely do. Um, I have, so the crypto, co- the, the uh, free course is 90 minutes and then there's a paid course and that's seven hours. And I go into like passive income options. Um, there's DeFi, which is decentralized finance. And it has to do with like peer-to-peer banking. Where we, we eliminate the bank, and then I do a lending. I, I can lend you money, and you pay me through a smart contract. So oh, I, I, like I don't it. have I don't have to trust you to make it work. It's really cool. I like that. So yeah, so there, there's a lot of things that are happening now in that space, and and you know I mention it now a lot because, in my opinion, it's the first time ever that we have a practical way of disconnecting from those systems where yeah. we can actually function outside of those systems. In every way, every way imaginable, finances, uh, education, medical industry, po- the politics, like you know, uh, a voting system that's blockchain based, that's open source and transparent, and everybody can see the results. Imagine that. So that world to me is 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 the the, the beginning steps of creating this new reality, this new paradigm that's not part of that, you know. Aggressive, toxic, just just angry system that we've all been <laughs> born into. So yeah, so you know, Sheriff, thank you so much for this connection. It was just so in life, just so many, so many things that I I did wasn't aware of from that side that you made aware of for me. And again, I'm super grateful for your time and your energy and what you're doing for this movement and moving forward. So I, I want to leave the last word. I always like to leave the the last word to the interviewee. If you have something you want to plug or advice or, you know, something you want to leave everyone with? Yeah. Quick plug. Uh, you know, I, I have my book, American Sheriff, Traditional Values in a Modern World. You can get that at americansheriff.com. You can also get it at my wife's site, which is sheriffswife.com. She wrote a book called The Sheriff's Wife, Holding It All Together Behind the Scenes in Politics, which we go into a lot of what you talked about, how what, what the toll is and 
how, how life has changed for us. And then um, I, Live PD was taken off the air. Cops was taken off the air. So we started something called the American Sheriff Network. Hopefully people will go support us there. It's a We're telling real sheriffs, real stories. We're getting putting you back in the front seat of the cars. And uh, we're showcasing law enforcement in a different light. We're showing the positive light. But we're also showing you exactly what we go through. So please check those out. And on Instagram, American Sheriff. On Facebook, Sheriff Lamb. And uh, even though I don't use Twitter, Twitter is Sheriff Lamb 1. So please go check it out. Come support us. And in the end, I, I, you mentioned something real briefly, and I talked to a kids at school the other day. We need to get back to a place where we're okay with people de- being different and thinking different than us. What makes America so beautiful is the fact that we are different uh, cultural backgrounds, different skin color, different religious backgrounds. All of these things um, are, are what makes America beautiful. And uh, we need to accept the fact that we are different. And that's what makes this world go around. And that's what makes us achieve the country we've achieved thus far is because we're different. So be tolerant of one another, uh, learn to respect one another for our individual uh, desires and freedoms. And, and, uh, and remember, we still live in the greatest country in the world. Um, this is a global problem. If we lose America, the world loses. And the global, the, on a global level, they understand how important America is to the rest of the world. Uh, everybody's watching us. Now's the time to step up, be a voice for freedom, be a voice for America, and uh, don't be willing to, don't be afraid to fight for it because we've got to hold on to it for not just our own sake, but for the world's sake. And as far as your sheriffs, we are your last line of defense. And uh, I can tell you for, as a sheriff, we're going to continue to, to fight for uh, the people. You can also check out protectamericanow.com. It's a 501c4 I have where we fight for standing up for uh, the rule of law against bad policies and for the constitution and the people's constitutional rights. So in the end, when I leave this world, I hope that people will say that Sheriff Lamb fought, fought valiantly for God, family, freedom, and America. And uh, he was a true patriot. So hopefully that's what people will say. I just thank you, Otto, for having me on the show today. Let me talk to your to your listeners. And, uh, uh, and I appreciate it more than you know. Thank you, Sheriff Lamb. Like that, those words were so beautiful, so beautiful. And I'm so grateful for you. And you definitely have a fan right here. I am thank I'm you, in full support of everything you're doing. Thank you, brother. Thank you. God bless. God bless. Have a good day. Wow. 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 What an amazing interview with Sheriff Mark Lamb. I recorded this outro post him getting celebrated and called out by Donald J. Trump at a rally in Arizona in Phoenix. And for that, I'm super grateful for being connected with Sheriff Mark Lamb. He has been just a an amazing voice in this reality like we, we talked about in the episode. Please, if you guys have more information that you want to know about crypto, if you want to dive deeper into the crypto space and try to understand it, unlike Mark, who had a little bit of difficulty in getting a hold of it, dive deep into my crypto course. You can check it out on my website. It's autogomes.live forward slash free dash training, or you can just go to my website and check it out. And if you want to dive deeper, 
and learn more about the space and how you can make passive income and tap into these decentralized finance options that are peer-to-peer, you can check out my seven and a half hour paid course, Crypto Made Easy. And I'm giving away 10% off. If you go to autogomes.live forward slash easy, you'll get 10% off right there. Again, this episode with Mark was amazing. Sheriff Lamb is just an astonishing individual. And I can't wait to reconnect with him and share more with you guys. Thank you guys for joining me and make sure to gamify your abundance. Love you guys. Bye.